Who's ready for some football? What's up, Spartan Nation? Happy fall. I am truly fired up to get the gang back together at the start of the most wonderful time of the year. Yes, football season is here. Welcome back, everyone, once again to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. This is episode 82 of our little show. I'm your host, Brandon Champion, back after an extended break from work over the summer. Joined, as always, by Kyle Lawson and Matt Wenzel. It is Thursday, September 1st, 2022, a.k.a. the eve of Michigan State football. Matt, I know football season means something a little different for you than the rest of us, but uh, you ready to get this thing going? Yeah, Nebraska already screwed up a, a game on special teams, so we have uh, the, official, the official start of the season, I guess you would say, uh, you know. But, yeah. yeah. Scott Frost is getting dragged. The season has started. Uh, Kyle, is it still golf season for you, or does that end once September hits? Uh, no, it's still golf season until there's snow on the ground, and and maybe a little bit afterwards if I break out, you know, the yellow or pink ball so I can see it. So, yeah, we got a ways to go. Matt's shaking his head. He, he's not with me on that. No, no, no. I, I haven't golfed when there's snow on the ground since I was, like, 16, so or maybe something along that lines. I'm not I'm, – I like golf, but I'm, I'm not that hardcore. I imagine they figure something out like that in Alaska, you know, the glow balls and parkas and heated courses or something, you know, uh, something like that. Probably less time for you to golf this time of year, though, right, Matt? <laughs> are your weekends uh, spoken for? I Yeah, my weekends are spoken for. And even if they weren't, um, I played once in March in Arizona and I played once with Kyle, uh, what, in July, June, July. So, yeah, I I lack a dedication to the game. So. <laughs> well, you do not lack a dedication to uh, covering Michigan State football. You're all over the beat, have been all summer, Kyle as well. Uh, I heard you guys' last pod sort of catching us up on, on Tom Izzo's big summer of recruiting. And if you missed it, Matt kind of ran down what the, what the roster and the depth chart probably looks like coming into the season. Of course, Mel Tucker uh, famously does not release a depth chart, but it's, a, know, rep, it's a rep chart. Okay. Okay, rep chart. Yes, sorry. I think Georgia Tech does something similar to that, too. But, you know, it, it is what it is. We did not expect to get a depth chart. We will see who's playing when it comes to Friday night. So um, appreciate everyone for listening. I know we took a big break. I have been off learning how to be a dad, and it, it was really fun. Um, you know, lots to learn, obviously. But we're back now, just in time for the season. If you can please like, rate, and review the podcast. Check out our work at MLive.com Spartans. You guys know where to hit us on Twitter. Uh, so coming up on today's show, just kind of going to uh, dive into the Western Michigan game, but also maybe start with some big picture thoughts on the season, expectations coming in. Obviously, Michigan State coming off a huge 11-2 and season and a win in the Peach Bowl. Um, so big expectations in East Lansing, but nationally, maybe not as many, um, not as much trust in Mel Tucker's second se- or third season. Um, we'll also look at some storylines coming into the season and specifically the game at Western. So um, Matt, I'll toss it to you first. Uh, Michigan State ranked 15th in the AP poll, picked behind the other big boys in the in the Big Ten East, and a win total of just seven and a half. Um, I know the schedule is tough, but were you surprised to see that seven and a half win total? And or do you feel like people are are pegging the Spartans where they should be coming into the season, or is there a little bit of maybe underrating them here? I mean, I think their their national rankings just about right. That's where I would put them. You know, I, I think it's fair. Um, pick to finish fourth in the East. Okay, fine. You know, I mean, I think you're going to, you have to do it again. You know, you're going to have to, you know, show some sustained success under, under Mel for, I think people really buy in. And I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we all know Michigan and Ohio state get more, more hype. 
Ohio State definitely deserves it. Uh, it you know, they're, they're it's a great program that wins every year. Um, but no, I think it's, you know, I, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think there's some giant amount of disrespect being thrown in Michigan State's way. You know, they, you know, they were asked about the, you know, the the fourth place. Fin- well, Mel showed them, <laughs> showed the whole team they were picked to finish fourth. And, you know, they, I think they get it. You know, I think Darius Snow had said something like, all right, that's fine. We just got to, you know, we got to, we got to prove it. And, and Peyton Thorpe made a crack about how um, they were picked. Uh, USA Today last year picked Michigan City as one of the 10 worst power five programs in the country. Um, you got to laugh out of that. Uh, no, I mean, it's, 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 I think it's fine where they're at. You know, you lose a guy like Kenneth Walker um, for a team that was what five and zero oh, in, in games decided by 10 points or fewer Four of those were what five points or fewer. I mean, that's, it's a pretty, pretty razor thin margin. They were, they were operating on, uh, at with times last year. So uh, yeah, back it up, do it again this year and win, you know, win 10, nine, 10 games. And, and I think, you know, you'll start to see them, you know, maybe maybe uh, draw a little bit more uh, praise heading into a year. Yeah, they were big dead last coming into last year. So it's not yeah. like this team doesn't know about, you know, uh, ignoring the preseason prognostications. I think 15 is is good for a ranking. The seven and five, I think, is more of a product of a tough schedule uh, than, than disrespect or, the, you know, the 7.5 win total. I mean, your big non-con game, you've got to go out to the West Coast where – you know, Rose Bowl notwithstanding, Michigan State has not had a lot of success out there against Pac-12 teams. You've got Wisconsin and Minnesota coming from the West. And then, of course, you've got the three big boys in your own division to play. So, you know, the schedule is tough. Um, you know, I've seen eight and four, nine and three as as maybe some some predictions. So I guess people are just kind of caught up with the winter. Like we won 11 last year and you're going to give us a seven and five. But, you know, the schedule is tricky. Yeah, I mean, it's a really difficult schedule, and I think we've talked about this before. I mean, much different than last year's setup where, you know, they, you know, beat Michigan to to close October 8-0, and and then, you know, you had Ohio State and Penn State in the final month Um, this year. Like you mentioned, you know, you get the the trip to Washington, then, you know, Minnesota to open Big Ten play. That's a losable game. You know, that was a good Minnesota team. They just couldn't throw the ball last year. at Maryland, you never know. Then Wisconsin, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Michigan. So you're gonna whether or not they're gonna they're gonna be in the hunt for a Big Ten title will be decided much earlier uh, this season than it was last year. Fifteen feel about right for you, Kyle, coming in. Yeah, um, I I mean I look at like eight and four in that, which I I don't. I mean, it would seem like, you know, a step back, but I wouldn't like you guys are talking about. I wouldn't consider it like a sizable step back um, if, if that's where it ends up, just because of the record, uh, just because of the schedule. I mean, um, I mean, you look, you talk about the big three. You had two of them at home last year, won both of them, Michigan and Penn State. Now you go to both of them this year. Um, I mean, that's a significant difference. And then Ohio State, like shoot, they're, they're hard as heck to beat no matter where you play them, you know? So you get that at home, maybe that's a little bit easier, but it's still Ohio state. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if, if that's where they end up, um, I, I'm sure people would be disappointed, but I, I still don't, I still think that would be a solid season, um, for this program. And nationally, we saw it took several years for people to start buying into the Mark D'Antonio, uh, era of sustained success. So you're right, Matt, you do need to have multiple years, of sustained success before people are going to really say, okay, you're a factor year in and year out. Um, so looking at the season or looking at, I guess, coming into Friday night, some of the storylines, um, you know, I, I guess, I guess I'll just toss it to you, Matt. I'll let you take it where you want to. What, what is something that you're watching for? Yeah, I mean, obviously they're playing Western Michigan. It's a, it's a very large spread, but I guess, what are you looking for um, most in this game? 
Uh, you know, the obvious, you know, what's the backfield going to look like? You know, I think everybody kind of expects uh, Broussard and Berger to be the leaders there. Um, obviously, you know, depth chart to indicate that, but I, I would assume those two will be the guys um, that, that get the bulk of the carries. What's the offensive line going to look like given all the turnover? You know, you lose three starters in depth. You got five guys returning that have played in the game. And plus you have Brian Green as a grad transfer from Washington State. But other than that, they don't have anybody that's taking snaps and they're going to need guys to get in there. Uh, you know, obviously you want to see what, what Peyton Thorne's going to do uh, without Kenneth Walker behind him. You know, we saw it in the Peach Bowl. And, and you know, honestly, you know, that's a good Pittsburgh defense for the most part, especially against the run. But um, that was not a great game for him until, until they put it together late. Um, expectations are obviously high for him. Uh, defensively, um, you know, obviously the secondary um, took all the heat last year. Uh, dead ass last, as Mel pointed out, in, in passing yards allowed per game. Um, but you bring back all five starters. You got four corners who have started. Amir Speed coming in from Georgia as a grad transfer. Um, so I think they'll be they'll be better uh, in the secondary this year, significantly better. Um, no, no real, not really any depth behind Henderson and Gross at safety. So they're going to have to figure that out. But uh, the linebacker play, I think, is really interesting when you bring in – you get Cal Halliday back uh, and Summerin back, now Teote back, um, and then you add um, Brule and Winman as, as transfers and Darius Snow moves over there. So it's kind of personnel-wise, I'm interested to see how, how they – the direction they go with Nickel, you know, whether that's, you know, you know facing Western, you know, they're, if they put, you know, got four receivers out there, you expect Chester Kimbrough or somebody as your Nickel of – you know, maybe not so much Western, but, you know, when you get bigger personnel, maybe two tight ends, um, Darius Snow in there as a different look because uh, he can obviously play that position. So uh, you just kind of the matchup stuff is some something that intrigues me because, you know, they, they've, they you know, you get a whole year, a real season of experience um, in Scotty Hazleton's defense and these guys coming back and Mel coaching corners. And, you know, just interested to see what that's going to look like. I'm. I'm curious about, I mean, has there been any indication that they'll be switching up the defensive formations from last year? Well, I think it seems like they have so many linebackers and at times you only had two on the field and it's like, are they looking, they move snow there. Yeah. I feel like he's going to play. Yeah. He's absolutely going to play. It's more of, you're going to see situations where they, yeah. So it's a four, two, five, but they'll have three linebackers on the field and one of them will be used as an edge rusher, whether it's, you know, Winman or, or Ben Summerin, Sumerin, excuse me, um, or, or whoever, you know, that, that's going to, that's going to happen. You know, we saw that in the spring game. So yeah, they, they have two, they got enough guys at linebacker that they want to get on the field. Um, and it's just going to be, I think you're going to see just more guys. It's going to, the playing time is going to be split up a lot more than it was last year. You know, not that, you know, um, Cal and, and Crouch never came off the field, but I, I think they'll get fewer snaps. And, he, and Halliday was talking about that uh, this fall camp, you know, basically like it's not really ideal for you to be out there for 90 defensive snaps a game, you know, getting a break, you know, a breather and, and being able to, you know, obviously be fresher when you do get those snaps uh, can be beneficial for them. So I think you'll see that. Anything you got your eye on, Kyle? No, I mean, I think I think Matt pretty well covers it. Um, you know, it starts with the running attack for me um, and, and the offensive line, um, because th- to me, there's so many dominoes that kind of fall after that. You know, if it's 
Um, if you're not going to have a rushing attack, I mean, Michigan State fans have certainly seen what life is like then. <laughs> um, you know, defenses can make it harder to pass. You know, life's harder for Peyton Thorne. And every, everything just kind of gets harder. I mean, there's a reason Mel Tucker always says have to establish the run first. And life was so much better last year when you could count on um, Kenneth Walker to do what he did. Obviously, that helped the pass game. Um, and then, you know, I, something I know people have wondered openly, it's like, if, if they don't have the run game, do they open it up and say, yeah, we're, we're going to air it out a little bit more and really rely on our past game. I don't, I don't know. Um, I, that's kind of goes against their DNA a little yeah. bit. So, um, to me, that's kind of the number one question and, and maybe offensive line's good. Maybe between those two, they're productive and they can kind of keep rolling the way they have, but, um, it's, it's certainly a question mark. I think you will get, there'll be some questions you'll have to answer. I think if that's not the case. I, I do think there is a chance that it is a little bit more of a, a pass heavy team this year. Not that they're going to, you know, spread it out Mike Leach style, but because Michigan state needs the run game to complement. but that's where your experience is. I mean, that's where your, your third year starting quarterback it should, you know, the, I think he needs to take a step. If Michigan state's going to take a step this year, you've got weapons at wide out, whether it's the young guys in Bernard and Coleman or the veterans in Mosley and Reed, you've got a good tight end group bringing in Daniel Barker. So, you know, last year it felt like, you know, you run the ball, you set up these these shots downfield. Obviously, they would love to do that again. But, I mean, and that maybe I'm off base here, but do you think there's a chance that the run, that the pass game is sort of what they're going for here and they use the run to complement that? Or does Michigan State need to establish the run to be successful? Yeah, I mean, that's been something that's been talked about since spring, just because you lose a guy. You know, the, the difference Walker made in the backfield, like Kyle mentioned, the years where the running game stunk, I mean – 2020 zero rushing touchdowns by your running backs you know that's just remarkable and to go from that to what they had last year and the difference that made for them offensively where you can set up these shots where you can what how many four was it four touchdowns on four flickers you know I mean (laughs) that just doesn't happen you know and there's that so I mean you and you can't replace Kenneth everybody knows that you know they're not one of those guys isn't going to come in there and rip off a 75 yard touchdown run the first play and go for 264 and four touchdowns on Friday um if it does you can yell at me but uh I I don't think that's gonna happen you know they're they're gonna I think they'll be okay in the run game they'll take a step back I think between those two guys and whoever's getting the ball they'll, they'll be okay they won't be like last year but yeah I mean I think you you will see them probably rely on the pass more this year given it's thorn and, and like you mentioned those guys Reed Mosley Coleman uh Bernard you know any of those guys um but, you know, they'll tell you, you know, we want to be balanced. They don't want to go into a game think, thinking, you know, with the intent to throw it 60 times. You know, if that if need be, okay, fine. You know, that might be what we need to get it done that day. So, and they're not, you're not going to see Mel abandon the run all of a sudden, like week one, like, oh, didn't get going in the first quarter. And so we're just going to, you know, throw it every single down. You know, they'll they'll try, you know, just like they did in 2020. You know, they didn't stop trying to run the ball. They just weren't any good at it. Uh so, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, long story short, they'll, they'll keep trying to run the ball, obviously, uh, but I do think you see uh, more passing um, this season and, and Thorne throwing for, well, I, I wrote some predictions for today, and, and one of them is Thorne breaking the single-season passing record for yards. I think he'll throw for 3,500-plus. To me, the mark of a good coach and a good coaching staff is adapting to your personnel and your strengths. And and to me, it's just an interesting situation because they certainly know better than we do, especially about the running game and what they see in practice. But there's evidence that Michigan State's strength is maybe not 
exactly their philosophy, if that makes sense. So it's to me, it's like, how much is the coaching staff willing to adapt and change things up and say, hey, the pa- our passing game is where it's at. We got to put this first. Um, and Or how much do they, you know, uh, I, I think Michigan State fans would be afraid they'd bang their head against the wall like in 2020 if it's not working. So um, maybe it doesn't get to that point, but that's um, that's the interesting question to me. And for, for Michigan State fans who might be worried about this, I mean, at least this staff has shown an ability to make adjustments in-game mm-hmm. or change their philosophies in-game. So I think they can have confidence that they would be willing to do that. Uh, if you look at their opponent, Western Michigan, more specifically, Michigan State's 14-2 and two in the all-time series. They're riding an 11-game win streak. In fact, Western hasn't beaten Michigan State since 1919. Uh, the last game was a 51-17 win in 2019. Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that was when they busted out the neon pants for the first oh, time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I actually was, yeah. was uh, looking back for photos to use for <laughs> yeah. a story for today and kind of hurt my eyes a little bit. Um, and one of the problems was, like, no, I mean, there was, like, nobody, not only do those uniforms, especially the, the pants, rather uh, jarring, but. They have, uh, yeah. How dare the, you? <laughs> sorry. I, I, you know, I don't care about the uniforms. I just, the, <laughs> the pants were, the pants were pretty uh, bold. But uh, now I couldn't find a photo earlier with anybody that's still playing on the team for the most part in it so i, I can tell you one the reason the, i don't think they've busted elijah collins obviously yep, but that's but, when he blew up yep. yeah that was a big game for him um hey ladarius jefferson i think had two touchdowns against western that that <laughs> day and he's now on you know almost a thousand yard yeah. rusher for western so we were right. a lot, was- lot changed in three years I was going to mention Western. If you look at them on offense, they've got to replace their top two receivers. Sky Moore went to the is playing for the Kansas City Chiefs now. Jalen Hall plays for Western Kentucky. Uh, they do have their top two running backs. You mentioned Ladarius Jefferson, but also Sean Tyler is a very quality running back. They're replacing their quarterback. Uh, let's see what's his name, Jack Salopek. And the, of course, the storyline uh, and on defense, they return all three linebackers. They probably have the best linebacking core. Uh, in the Mac, honestly. So honestly, there's a challenge right away for that offensive line in the running game. It's not like they're, I mean, it's a Mac team, but they're going up against a quality Mac linebacking core. So that could be a good challenge there. And then, you know, the storyline that has been a, a topic of conversation throughout the week is obviously Michigan State quarterback Peyton Thorne going up against his dad, Jeff Thorne, who is the offensive coordinator for Western Michigan. I know you guys have talked about it. It's an obvious story to track, um, you know, coming into this game. It, it seems like they're both kind of downplaying it though. Yeah, because they don't want, I mean, I don't know how else you do it. You know, I mean, they don't, you know, they've they've been very competitive, as Peyton has talked about, you know, since he was young, you know, he said his dad was one of those dads that never let him win in anything. You know, he might let him stay close, but he had to to make him beat him, um, whether it's basketball or ping pong or pool or, or whatever the hell they were doing, but yeah, I mean, it's it's an awkward situation. I get it. You know, Jeff, Jeff you know, obviously a highly successful coach uh, at North Central College where he preceded his father, um, won a D3 national title in 2019, runner-up last year. But, um, you know, he's been going – he's been a Michigan State fan. He's been going to these games, even the COVID season, you know, because North Central didn't have – their season got canceled. So he's driving all over the place, you know, going to see uh, – flying to go see Peyton play um especially you know and then last year doing what he can to, to be at games um and now he's you know in the box calling plays against the Michigan State defense so it's interesting they both downplayed it I you know they Peyton you know was kind of asked are you just looking forward to get this over with and he said no you know not really but I think both of them probably just you know this will be something you know 
five years, 20 years down the road, they can look back on and, and think, you know, wow, that was really cool. It was neat, but probably just want to get through it on Friday. Um, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how, how else they can treat it, you know, to say, you know, we're both going to try to win and, you know, we respect for each other, but it's just going to be, you know, they we're treating it like any other game. I, I, I do question. I mean, it's possible they just weren't being forthcoming um, with us, Matt, but it sounds like they really didn't like have um, um, talk to um, him about the, the, the offense's dad's going to run, you know, like, like why isn't he sitting in on the defensive meeting saying, especially like you've got a new coordinator, you know, never been a coordinator, you know, at the major college level before. Um, and you've got the kid's son in your, um, in your building. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe it wouldn't make that much of a difference, but it's like, Hey, this is the stuff my dad likes to run. This is, you know, you know, this is what he likes to do. I mean, maybe, maybe coaches don't do that because it's, you know, um, not it's taboo or something, but I don't know if I'm coaching, Peyton, I would have done that. Yeah. Peyton got asked about that. And he said, you know, Mel said, no, he hasn't been helping in defense. Peyton said he hasn't been helping. He was like, well, you know. I don't, I've never played in his offense. I've never run his offense. He's like, yeah, I might. He's like, they're going to run some things that all teams will run. He's like, but it's not like it's third and six. I'm not, I'm going to know what he's going to call. Now, could he really provide some sort of insight into it? Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure that's stuff that, you know, Michigan state staff is studying North central film. They're going to see the same stuff that he sees. I'm sure he could provide some, but it was last night. I don't know if it was on Mel's radio show or the podcast he did after. He got asked about that and basically said that, like, to your point, it's kind of taboo. Like, no, we're, we're not we're not doing that. You know, that's his dad. And, and you know, basically, we're, we're not going in that direction. So <laughs> I, I always but, liked I always liked in basketball when Jack Hoiberg was running Michigan State scout team and they would play Nebraska and it'd be like, oh, shoot, I think, you know, your dad's stuff pretty well. <laughs> and yeah, I, yeah. if i remember correctly i have to go back and read my stories but i think they did have him sit in at coaches meetings and been like yeah this is you know these are the actions you know my dad runs and stuff like that i don't know i'm not a coach but i i, I think it, it should be fair game i think yeah. i think that the advantage in in kind of this scenario was tilted heavily in favor of western michigan if they were to pick um jeff's brain on on the situation oh for just, sure uh-huh. just because you know, COVID hits and, and, you know, Peyton's at home and they're installing an offense. <laughs> Who's there with them? You know, yeah. who's been watching him play and talking to him about offense for the last, you know, two seasons, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's hey, it, you, if you're Michigan state and you're saying that's taboo, you better be pretty confident that Tim Lester. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I guarantee you, Tim Lester's using every advantage he has. And if book. I'm Tim Lester, yeah, he's a I'm 25 a three point t- underdog. Exactly. I'm a three touchdown <laughs> dog, man. I got the freaking you know, guru there in my building. I'm taking advantage of it, man. It would, it would be crazy. It would be crazy if Jeff Thorne was a defensive coordinator. That's when it would get interesting is if mm-hmm. he was actually going up against Peyton Thorne. I'm sure Scotty Hazleton, you know, obviously they're watching film with their opponent, but they're probably more focused on what they're doing, you know, instead of what Western's going to do. Well, yeah, so. but you got, you know, new OC, like I said, they, they were watching, you know, old uh, North Central film and Western film to get a feel for, for what they think they're going to do. But, you know, this is, you know, they always called the opener a rules game, you know, because you don't really know what's going to happen. So, um yeah i mean i, I don't know and there's i don't know there's also the fact that western's got a new quarterback too so i i don't know it, it's going to be interesting all right <laughs> what um i'll, I'll say sorry, the line's bigger than i thought it would be 
It's up, it was up to like 21 and a half this morning. Like, I, I don't think. Yeah. Really uh, yeah, they did. But like, I, I, I think Tim Lester can put a good quarterback on the field, first of all. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Like, I, I don't think it's going to be close. I think Michigan State will win comfortably, but it, it was a larger line than I expected. Let's put it that way. Um, so moving off the thorn stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a significant line uh, for sure. Um, Matt, I mean, I guess looking forward to maybe players like last year, you know, we talked a lot about Jalen hunt coming into the season that really didn't materialize, you know, into a breakout Cal Halliday obviously came out of nowhere. I mean, do, do you see a guy on, on either side of the ball this year that might just come out and, and produce right away? I know, I know you're high on the freshman receiver. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, from what you can gather, you know, not, it's not like we're allowed to watch all practice or anything like that so um but from what people have been you know players and coaches have talked about Keon Coleman's a name that keeps coming up you know we saw a little bit of what he can do last year obviously very athletic tall physical guy um so he's a guy to look for Jeremy Bernard same thing um you know he's although he's a true freshman so he's a year younger but somebody who keeps getting mentioned um and when Jaden Reed was was uh was a Kate and Hauser said when Reed was missing some some days of uh, fall camp that um he was really uh, stepping up. So those are two I'd look for. I mean, obviously the new running backs is what you're talking about. You mentioned uh, Daniel Barker, tight end from Illinois. I think he's a, he's a pretty notable pickup for him joining a room with brings back Malik card, Tyler hunt. Um, then the other side of the ball defensively. I mean, you know what you've got at tackle. You got a lot of depth there, Barrow and, and Slade leading them. Petrowski. I think like Barrow could take another step though. Yeah. I mean, he was, I mean, he was a guy that, you know, he, he dressed for two games in the 20 season and then opted out because of COVID concerns. And you, you saw, we saw him in the spring game last year. And we're like, wow, that, you know, that guy showed a little something, but I didn't expect him to start <laughs> and there. And, you know, he started every game he played in last year. He was pretty good. So yeah, he could, he could absolutely take a next step. Um, you know, Petrowski is a guy I look for on the end with, with them losing both. Um, starting ends him and you know Bogle being the the transfer from Florida I mentioned the linebackers and Amir Speed I think is a guy that you're looking to see something out of the cornerbacks and he's you know 6'3 won a national championship at Georgia last year he actually began last season as a starter um, for for Georgia before getting hurt and then being a backup but I mean we saw how good Georgia's defense was last year Um, if if Amir Speed was good enough to be a starter at the beginning of the season that says something for him so um, yeah, those are just some of the guys. Cue the music for special teams corner. Who's going to kick in this game? Oh boy. Uh, I think, <laughs> I don't know. Wouldn't be surprised to see multiple guys, to be honest. Um, Mel, was, you know, I asked him about that on whatever that was Monday and, and he said he likes what he sees and, and they'll make a decision at some point, but I don't know. I think it's, I think it's something that drags on into the season just because of the, the uncertainty there. Uh, Coglin's gone and Stephen Rus- Rusnak was a, True freshman last year, walk on, and he got you know tossed in there when Coglin was hurt. Um, so but he's back. Um, Jack Stone is a true freshman. He's the only scholarship player at the position, but he's never played in a college game. That's I think it's asking a lot. I mean, not that it never happens, but to to get a true freshman to come in there and be able to handle that the pressure. Um, and then they added uh, Ben Patton, who's a walk on uh, grad transfer from Auburn. Uh, interesting situation. He's a Rochester native. Um, was a backup at Auburn. Their their starter got hurt last season, so he gets thrown in there. And he was five for six on field goals. It's two two for two in in against Alabama, including a forty nine yarder in double overtime. So he's at least you know he's been there. He's handled the pressure. So I wouldn't be surprised to see 
maybe him be, be option number one to start the year. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, we're not in practice. We don't get to see these guys <laughs> kicking. So I, I don't know. You know, I remember Antonio talking about when Coglin was a true freshman and seeing him in practice and being like, oh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know about this guy. So <laughs> there's some nerves. Uh, you know, everybody handles it different, but um, it's definitely something to watch. One of my favorite moments of, of uh, camp, though, was uh, Mel got asked one day about his kicker situation and goes on and on as they do in every question. Oh, I like them. They're good. We're in good shape there. And then, like a couple hours later, they announced uh, the kid from Auburn was transferring there. Oh, yeah. Like, really? Yeah. Did you really feel that good if you were taking a, a mid camp exactly. grad transfer? Yeah. That kind of, I mean, the, that kind of action spoke a little bit to me louder than the words they've been saying about the situation. If, you, if you're taking another kid mid camp, then you got questions, I, I think. Exactly. Exactly. I think that I think that's all you need to say there. So, um, all right, we can get out of here quick. I think we've covered this pretty good. But what? Give me a record prediction. I know what. What are we thinking here? I mean, seven and a half is the is the over under. I I think they'll be better than that. You know, I see people predicting them to lose at Maryland. I see people predicting them to lose at Washington. You know, losing to Minnesota at home. I still think this team has a lot of pieces. I think people are much like last year are underselling the impact the transfers are going to have. I think people don't think that they, that Mel can, you know, you know, hit again in the transfer portal. Now I'm not expecting, you know, the guy to be the best position or best player at his position, but I think he brought in a lot of impact uh, transfers at positions of need. And if the offensive line can hold up, you know, I think this team's could win 10 games. Uh, I'm going to pick him for nine and three because of the schedule. They are some tough, tough trips there. Um, so that feels about right to me. Yeah, I, I did the predictions this morning. Like I mentioned, I picked nine and three. Um, could I see them 10 and two? Could I see them seven and five? Sure. Yeah, just, you know, it's, you know, you get those toss up games. They're going to have to, I think to get to nine and three, you'll have to be about as good late in the game as they were last year. Yeah, I got, I got eight and four. Um, like we talked about with the schedule, you, you got the big three, you got two of them on the road. Um, those are going to be three really tough games. And, I mean, they won last year a lot of their kind of either or games, you know, Miami and stuff like that. You know, I I look at Washington, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Their crossovers are tough this year. I think Minnesota is going to be pretty good. Wisconsin's Wisconsin. Um, So, uh, yeah, I I see four losses in there, um, which, again, I don't think would be. um, I think you could you could um, play pretty well and have four losses with that schedule. Absolutely. I agree. A worse record doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily a cause for panic. Let's just say that up front. But but I do want to say this is kind of record aside. One thing I'm really looking forward to to is like, can they stay on the field against Ohio State? Because if they're playing these guys close, (laughs) and if they play Ohio State closer, and they end up eight and four, like I'd almost feel better about that you know, as a Michigan State fan, um, because as good as last season was, not to crap on that, but it's like that was such a big glaring gap that you need to um, you need to make up. So like if you can be in Ohio State's class, um, that'll be pretty important to me, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they, they showed they can, you know, Mel's 2-0 and against Michigan. He showed he can, you know, beat Penn State. Um, but Ohio State remains, obviously, you know, the standard in the conference. And forty nine and nothing at halftime is just tells you 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 know you're not competitive. Um, you know uh, Xavier Henderson said it in, in July. You know they were the better team, but they weren't forty nine to nothing at halftime better. Yeah. So that game we'll, was over we'll the second it got kicked off with Michigan oh, yeah. State secondary issues and the receivers that Ohio State's rolling out. Uh, we kind of saw that one coming, I think, on the pod. But yeah, um, you know. 
it is what it is. If if there's one thing to be optimistic about, if you're a Michigan State fan, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but this team last year did show a knack for just getting it done somehow, in some way, making plays in big moments, being clutch, you know, to keep chopping. It's corny, but it worked for them last year, and we'll see if they have that same kind of resilience this year. Uh, the game is on Friday night, 7 p.m. I believe it's on ESPN. How do you feel about the Friday night games, by the way? It's obviously a tradition at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a little different for your first weekend, you know, because all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, oh, it's Saturday, and, you know, well, when you go to bed at four, four or five in the morning when you're done working, but when you eventually wake up on Saturday, um, it feels the weekend's different. Not that you get any sort of break, you know. We're still having Mondays with Mel press conference on, on Labor Day or um, so it's just a different, I, I don't mind it. Uh, let's me watch a little football on a Saturday, which I don't typically get to do much of. I thought we we're going to get through the whole pile without Matt mentioning what time you're going to go to bed on Friday. No, we almost no, did. We almost no, did. No, we almost did. Brandon baited me into it. I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> just don't tweet it, man. Just don't. No, tweet it. no. I'm not going to publicly complain. Um, so yeah, 7 PM Spartan stadium. It's striped the stadium, getting the season underway. The Friday game, I think it is good for, you know, program. I mean, it's Western Michigan, not a big game, but they are one of the only ranked teams playing on Friday night. So you're on main ESPN. You probably will get some eyeballs. So that doesn't hurt either, but I know I'm fired up guys. I mean, I don't have to stay up all night writing stories, doing journalism, interviewing people. I just get to enjoy the games as a fan. Um, so I'm pumped up. It's been a long off season. And I can tell you from scrolling Twitter, uh, the fan base needs the season to get here. It has been insufferable for about a month now of people just going stir crazy until we got football. But it is here. There's games tonight. If you want to tune in, Penn State Purdue in action tonight should be a pretty good game. And of course, Friday in a full slate on Saturday. And we even have Sunday, Monday games for Labor Day, too. So enjoy it all, everyone. Football is here. Again, if you could please like, rate, and review the podcast, we very much appreciate it. You can check out all our work at MLive.com slash Spartans. This up on Twitter, you know where to find us. Enjoy the game. We will be there covering it uh, and have all the post game as well. So uh, enjoy it, Spartan fans. Football season's here. We'll talk to you on Monday. And until then, go green.